Well, welcome everyone. It's a joy to be able to celebrate service here together. We want to especially welcome those of you who are here, here for the first time, either from far away or from our local area. So thank you for coming. My name is Naya Swami Anandi. This is Naya Swami Bharat. And our talk this morning will be given by Badri Matlock. So I'll begin with a reading from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita written by Swami Kriyananda. This week's reading is quite deep, actually, so you're going to need to stay very alert, <laughs> testing out your affirmation. This is called, How Should We Meet Our Tests? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Last week, we considered Satan's temptation of Jesus in the wilderness after his baptism by John. We discussed the question, does Satan exist? All of us experience temptation of one kind or another in our lives. Some of us frequently, others only occasionally. Whether temptation comes to us from our own subconscious or from outside ourselves is secondary to the fact that it does come and that we must deal with it. More important, then, is the question how to deal with it. In fact, how to deal with tests of any kind. Martin Luther flung an ink pot at the devil, who had appeared to test him. A dark stain on the wall of Luther's cell is pointed out to tourists in support of this story. Unfortunately, our tests are not often so summarily dismissed. As a fellow monk once said to Swami Kriyananda, speaking of Satan, if only I could get my hands on him. Jesus, during his temptation in the wilderness, oh, during his temptations in the wilderness, overcame them and thereby set an example for all time by clinging the more determinedly to God. As Paramahansa Yogananda used to say, darkness cannot be driven out of a room with a stick. Once you turn on the light, however, the darkness will vanish as though it had never been. Jesus manifested this principle. The Bible tells us, therefore, that at last the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. In the Bhagavad Gita, the point is clarified further by the added explanation that there are three qualities in human nature, sattvic, or spiritually elevating, rajasic, or ego-activating, and tamasic, or spiritually darkening. It is this triune aspect of human nature that the third chapter refers to with the words, as fire is hidden by smoke, as a mirror is dulled by rust, and as an embryo is enclosed in the womb, so is the indwelling self enveloped by desire. Yogananda explained that each of these examples describes one of the qualities or gunas. Sattva guna, 
that which elevates our consciousness, can be freed of any identity with ego by a little puff of meditation and right affirmation. Rajoguna, which embroils the ego in restless activity, can be worked off with a little more and a little longer effort. Tamoguna, embracing as it does such mental states as laziness and stupidity, can only be outgrown in time since it inhibits even the desire for self-improvement. The example Jesus gave us was intended more for those in whom sattva guna is predominant. But if you yourself find elements in your consciousness that resist even the effort to cling to God in prayer and meditation, don't despair. Patience, it has been well said, is the fastest path to God. As long as your efforts take you steadfastly in the right direction, you will come out right in time. Remember Yogananda's words, a saint is a sinner who never gave up. If, however, your nature impels you, even against your will, to move in the wrong direction, toward egoic desires and away from God, strive at least to detach yourself mentally from your wrong actions, which are induced by habit. The time will come when their own stored-up energy will tire and diminish. At that time, if you, had not, if you have not contributed to that energy by your consenting will, you will find it possible at last to redirect your energies more constructively. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning, everyone. That was quite a reading. <clears throat> I will follow it up lengthy as it was with a very brief reading and simple but beautiful prayer from Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity, simply entitled, A Prayer, in parentheses, received after a great test of God. In disease or in health, in success or in failure, in poverty or in prosperity, in joy or in sorrow, in disaster or in safety, in life or in death, I stand immutably unalterably, unshakably loyal, devoted, and firmly loving Thee, my Heavenly Father, forever, forever, and forever. Well, <clears throat> to share an anecdote with you, in the year uh, 1582, in northern Spain, there was a small retinue of uh, nuns from the Catholic Church and they were traveling uh, to a little town called Burgos to establish a convent. And the leader of this little band of Carmelite nuns was Saint Teresa of Avila. 
and they just called her Madre, Mother. And as they approached the town, they found in late winter and early spring conditions that there was a uh, icy river they had to cross. <laughs> so Saint Teresa and her nuns went to cross this river. And I should say Saint Teresa had a very difficult life in some ways. Her mother died when she was 11 years old. She suffered a number of um, intense paralytic seizures, which she wrote about in her spiritual writings and called her little deaths. And she had a comatose state for some time and um, suffered a heart attack and on and on. But her relationship with Christ inwardly um, kept her in an ecstatic state. And she was able to accomplish her mission in reforming the church, among other things, and founding these convents. And so St. Teresa, here now in her late 60s, was the first to step out of this little springless wagon and to step into the icy bank and the waters of this river. And as they approached a bit nearer the crossing, they noticed that the bridge was out. And it is said that none would have proceeded if it weren't again for Teresa, who, with a smile, stepped into the icy waters first and was quoted as saying to the others, if you are downtrodden, diseased, or put to death, but still you reach your goal, you have victory. And as she continued the crossing, occurred the more well-known story where she was swept away by the icy waters, washed upon the opposite bank, where she beheld Christ in ecstatic vision. And the Lord said to her, don't feel bad, Teresa. This is how I treat all my friends. And with her characteristic wit, she replied, Ah, my Lord, that is why you have so few. <laughs> and so God very often tests those who love him. And as Swami Kriyananda said, it's very often not his job to clear the brambles from our path, but it may be to cast them in our way so that as spiritual seekers, we can attain that which we are seeking. But if we look in our own lives at the tests that we may face and we give only a little thought as spiritual seekers, where do they come from? What lessons are they here to teach us? Every test is a test of God's love. And if we can find the lessons that he's teaching us, we don't need to always understand. We can have faith that the solutions to the challenges we are faced with are right there in the tests themselves. And that every test is a test of our attitude and our love for God. In the autobiography of a yogi, it says that though man's ingenuity for getting into trouble seems endless, the infinite sucker is no less resourceful. And so God will provide the answer to every test, if we are seeking with the right spirit and the right energy. Swami Kriyananda, our founder and guide at Ananda, showed through his own life again and again that the way to face every test is with greater energy and will. And so our love is a form of that energy. And 
we have to be willing to say that no matter what, if you test me on this level, God, Divine Mother, then I will love you on that level. And to be willing to face Spirit with all that we are and to raise our energy with equal or greater energy to meet those tests. But again, if we step back and look at where these tests come from and what is the root of our suffering, should we experience suffering in the face of our tests? It is not the tests themselves that cause us to suffer. It is our ego. It is our contraction into the little self that hasn't yet fully realized it is spirit and has the energy to embrace these tests. And with the thought of ego, I have to share another anecdote that recently I was at the maintenance yard here at Ananda where I sometimes work, what we call property services. And I saw in the yard there a power tool in a box, a new power tool. I'm familiar with most of the major brands of power tools, but this one I had not yet encountered. In big, bright letters on the side of the box, it said, Ego Power Tools. <laughs> and look it up. It said, Ego Power Tools. Power beyond belief. <laughs> and Satya was walking by my friend and employee at maintenance at I asked him, Satya, whose power tool is this? He said, I don't know where it came from. But I went into the hardware store the other day, he said, and there was a huge banner that said, Ego Power Tools, <laughs> Power Beyond Belief. And he said, all I could say, all I could think was, Babaji, you are hilarious. <laughs> um, the ego may not always be so obvious. In fact, very often it's not. For the devotee, it can be insidious. But it wants to find ways to contract and to look in upon itself in times of test or suffering. And we have to do just the opposite. We have to get out of ourself into spirit. And one of the best ways we can do that is to give love, to give service to others and to God and to break the shell of ego that would hold us back from facing any test. I met a man here at the village during the 50th anniversary of Ananda, just some weeks ago. And I had never met him before, but he was an instant friend. He's an elderly man from our Sangha in Delhi, in Ananda, India. And he made a point amidst these hundreds and hundreds of people at all these events, he sought me out he could tell I was an organizer at the event, and he said, you must let me serve. He said, I, I need to help. And I noticed that he was elderly and physically handicapped, but he had so much energy and such a smile, and he had a camera around his neck. I learned that was one of the ways he served, was through photography. And sure enough, when I found him and I said, at one o'clock, we'll be moving chairs. At six o'clock the next day, we're setting up for the banquet. He was there with a smile. He was serving. And I thought, this is what it takes to find God. This wonderful man, so humble, had the energy of service, of giving, and no thought of himself. At the end of the week, he found me at the morning class.
class. And he said, you must come and see me after the class. He said, I have car insurance for you. <laughs> so he found me afterwards, or we met up, and he gave me a little Shiva uh, <laughs> shrine. He said, it has adhesive. It sticks, it's on the dashboard of my truck. He said, in India, or rather in America, you have the car insurance for after the car accident. In India, this is before the car accident. <laughs> so that was my friend Kuldeep from, from India. But the lesson of giving service, of opening oneself in a time of trial or test, is the ultimate uh, key for the devotee, is to turn and say, Let's not think about myself. Let's think about what I can give and how I can help the situation, help others. We look at the reading and the tests of Jesus in the wilderness. So beautifully exemplified through the music of Swami Kriyananda in his Christ Lives oratorio is the song, The Temptation, when Jesus is tested by that outward, downward, force of God, one can call Satan, his reply, Get thee behind me, Jesus declared, Satan, know you not, our Father, offers love in your stead. His gift of love to all is my only food. He is all I love, what does man need but him? God is all I love, he is all there is. Wise is he who says, I am wholly his. Swamiji expresses through his music so much more than mere words ever can. The love that Jesus bore for God instructed all of us in the face of tests. Again, that key of giving devotion, of giving love. I need a sip of water after my solo. So we don't need to understand our tests. As I said, there are lessons in every test, and yes, sometimes we need to ferret out what it is God is trying to teach us. But very often, the key is in the heart. The key is in this devotion, and not just in understanding, intellectually or mentally. Another tendency of the ego is to try to figure it out. What is my lesson? What is this test about? Why me? As I said, although these questions and answers may be useful at times, very often they just get in the way. As the great Saint Ramakrishna said, I do not need to understand, Mother. Just give me love for your lotus feet. I love this beautiful Indian devotion, this bhav, that just says, I don't need to understand. Just let me love. If we look once more to... Swami Kriyananda, the examples and the life that he lived teach volumes about how to face our tests. He certainly faced enough for all of us in his life. 
And early on, one of the great tests for all of Ananda was the forest fire in 1976 that burned most of the community here. And Swamiji was away. He traveled back, I believe, the next day to the village to help. And one of the first things that he instructed was to clean up quickly. He said to, uh, so as not to dwell on the trauma of the fire. And this is a valuable lesson that, yes, in our tests, in our suffering, there may be real trauma, and we need to honor that. So in other words, not to be dismissive, but also not to dwell on our suffering, on our tests. Again, the ego would have us stick around for a while and commiserate with our lot. But the devotee can't afford to linger in a time of suffering. If you look at the, some of these forest fires that have even very recently ravaged California and elsewhere, nature is immediate and instantaneous in its regrowth, despite very real and heavy trauma. In a matter of months or weeks, the land begins to heal itself. And so we, in our natural state, and with the soul, and with the tools and techniques available to us, can apply our full will and energy to move forward in the face of tests, of setbacks, of trials, challenges. And as I said, we do need to accept and to even embrace our tests, if we can, as the loving friends that they are, with the lessons that they do have to teach us. But if we cannot, we can just do our best to accept them, calmly and with faith in God. And towards the end of this reading today is given another key. And I believe these all relate to the gunas, which it references as well in the Bhagavad Gita. But that, say we can't accept our tests as loving friends or even just calmly take them at face value. Say we fail them miserably. Swami says, do not despair. We cannot get discouraged. Even if we completely blow it, which we are probably going to do at some point, our job is just to give that failure to God. And that same victory is ours. The loss comes when we dwell, when we become despaired or discouraged in the face of those failures. And so everything has to be given back to God. Another lesson Swamiji taught was and shared through his writing also in the early years of Ananda, of his autobiography, The Path, now titled The New Path. He said at a certain point, although he felt Master Yogananda's guidance very clearly throughout writing that book, there was a period of time where he felt that guidance and that blessing go away. He didn't feel Master's presence and guidance. And he explained that as he perceived it, and as I believe to be true, that there are times when Spirit, when God, when Guru withholds the blessing in order for us to stand on our own two feet 
to learn to use discrimination and to develop our intuition to find the solutions ourselves. We can't grow in the same way if God does it all for us. So sometimes in a test or in a period of darkness, this beautiful chant pole star, we have to lovingly place our faith in God nonetheless, and the answers will come. Finally, one more example from the life of Swami Kriyananda. Again, in the early-ish years, this is 1982, another of many years of intense tests for Ananda and for Swamiji personally. But he wrote in his Christmas letter that year to the community, he said, believe it or not, I don't feel touched by any of it. But it was around this time he was touched deeply by something, by a test, when a story he did share many times, a community member and someone, as he put it, under the guise of friendship, who was leaving the community after many years, uh, took it upon himself to berate Swamiji spiritually, personally, for upwards of two hours. He just let in to Swami and really let him have it. And Swami didn't defend himself as he was characteristically humble. He didn't try to justify his position. But afterwards, Swami felt the inspiration to write what he said was his most beautiful song, which I won't sing for you, but <laughs> the words, I live without fear, are, though green summer fade and winter draw near, my Lord in your presence, I live without fear, through tempests, through trials, through turbulent snows, turbulent tides, the touch of your hand is my strength and my guide. I ask for no riches that death can destroy. I crave only thee, thy love, and thy joy. And he sums it up in the Christmas letter saying, and this is the lesson of all the tests this year, my friends. He said, let the storms rage on when the tests come. Just love God all the more. That's all he wants. And so Swamiji's life was a testament to how to face our tests and a guide that we can follow if we are willing to do the work. But increasingly, as spiritual seekers, we find the work is quite joyful and that it doesn't feel like work at all. The more we abide in spirit and in God and Guru, we find like Swamiji said, there is great joy in the test that he sends us and great love. I'll close with this thought from Sri Yukteswar who said, I do not, I'll tell you what he said. He said, I do not hold expectations of others. Therefore, their actions cannot be in opposition to wishes of mine. And so, if we do not hold expectations from life, then nothing can test us. As a mighty boulder in a river, a raging river will remain untouched. So will our lives be if we 
dwell more in God. I know for myself personally, I've not faced many great or dramatic tests in this lifetime. I do believe that there will be great challenges ahead, whether for myself or for Ananda or for the world, I'm sure of it. But I can say with the fullness of my heart and conviction of the devotee that the more we abide in God and love God, then even now victory is ours. Yeah.